you probably know this if you come here very much. I have this great love for lists. I like lists. I like bullets. I mean, it helps me think. I like boom, 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 boom. You know, and I have a couple of books in my library, like the, the, the book of lists and the list for everything. You can imagine. And it's pretty cool. Um, so when I, when I talk about what I'm going to talk about today, really, for the next few weeks and starting last week, we really kind of, sort of, have a list. I want to talk about that. Before I do, Ben Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, one of my favorite founding fathers. It's always one of my favorite things to do in the 4th of July is go around asking people, who's your favorite founding father? And uh, it's always kind of interesting to hear your comments. Um, but one of my, I've, and I have several favorites, but one of my favorites is Benjamin Franklin, of course, did so much for our country in the early days, probably res- responsible for even winning the Revolutionary War because, we, uh, because of the money that he was able to acquire from France and, uh, and, um, and Holland at the time, the Dutch money. But um, he had a list of, he had a list, he had a lot of lists, but he had a list of what he called his 13 virtues. Ran across this recently in, in, uh, in autobiography and other writings by uh, Franklin. And 13, he had 13 virtues, and it's kind of interesting. I'm just going through very, very quickly. And we're not, you know, all this stuff, as, as is always the case, will be on the outline to, when it's posted tomorrow on our website. So if you um, don't know about that, just go to renaissancechurch.org and you'll be able to find all that. But here are his 13 virtues. Uh, they were this way. And it's kind of funny, if you know too much, you, you don't have to know too much about Ben to know some of his virtues probably weren't some of his stronger suits either, if you know what I mean by that. Uh, for instance, number one is temperance. Eat not to dullness, drink not to elevation. Interesting way, saying that. Silence. Speak not what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversation. It's interesting. Order. Let all your things have their places. Wow. Let each part of your business have its time. Resolution, resolve to perform what you ought, perform without, without fail what you resolve. How about this one? Frugality, make no expense but to do good to others or yourself, waste nothing. Industry, lose no time, be always employed in something useful, cut off all unnecessary actions. All these things are good things. I mean, when you just kind of take it upon themselves, sincerity, use no hurtful deceit, think innocently and justly. You know, justice, number eight, wrong none by injuries or omitting the benefits that are your duty. Moderation, avoid extremes, forbear resenting injuries so much as you think they deserve. Cleanliness is a good one. Tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. There you go. Nice little message for Mother's Day, isn't it? Uh, um, Mom used to tell us, you know, be clean. You know, the funny thing about that is when you think about life in the, uh, what was it, 1700s, which is predominantly, he didn't die, Franklin died, I think, late 1700s. Um, probably their most um, clean efforts would not be acceptable to most of us today when you think about that. You know, it's sort of a, sort of a relative thing when you think about it. Um, tranquility, be not disturbed by trifles. Uh, or at accidents common or unavoidable. Chastity. Here you go. Rarely use venery. I'll let you figure out that word. Uh, but for health or offspring, I know what it means. Uh, never to dullness, weakness, or the injury of your own or another's peace or reputation. He didn't practice that either. I mean, the guy was... Anyway, never mind. Uh, Thirteen. Humility. Now, this is pretty good. Humility. Imitate Jesus and Socrates. It's kind of interesting that he would use that. 
Isn't it great? You look at a list like that and you say, there's some good things there. That's pretty cool that, that some of our founding fathers had lists or a list of some of the things that should be virtues in their life. Wouldn't it be great if we could go somewhere and really find a list of things that are clearly what the person of faith ought to be about? And that's exactly what we have from the Bible. Even better than Benjamin Franklin. Uh, Written by by the Apostle Paul uh, in a a form called an epistle, a letter to the Galatian believers. And uh, it's really a list of virtues, uh, but more importantly, more exactly, it's called, they're called in the Bible, fruit or fruits of the Spirit. These are qualities which cannot be worked on, cannot be acquired, or they cannot be achieved by will or determination. They are things, there are nine of them in all, they are things that are byproducts of God the Holy Spirit working in the life of a person who's trusted Him. And, and, and here's how it works. A person comes to faith. Whatever, what, you know, for some people that's a long process. For some people that, that happens on a night or a morning or an afternoon. But when a person comes to faith, and, and only you know that, uh, when that might happen to you, or maybe you're in process right now, or maybe you're still thinking about it. But when a person comes to faith in Christ, and, and you know, sometimes we know exactly when that is, sometimes we don't. But when a person comes and says, you know what, that point in their life, I, I'm trusting Christ. I'm putting my faith in what Jesus did. The fact that Jesus lived and, di- and, and, and suffered and died and then rose from the tomb. He did that for me. I, I, I just want to trust Him. A lot of things I, I question about, have a few doubts about this, have a few doubts about this, but I trust Him. I'm trusting Christ. When that happens, God begins this relationship, this working inside of us, and, and that we become a, a sort of a, a construction project. And some of the things that will happen according to the Bible, are these nine things. Now, not all at once, some more than others, some more than others at different times in our lives. But these nine things that are talked about are called the fruit of the Spirit and uh, in some Bibles. And in Galatians chapter 5, just read it with me. You can follow along on the screen. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, which is what we're going to talk about today, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. Again, he's meaning the law of Moses, the things that they said you had to work for or be about. And he's saying this, this, this has nothing to do with that. No conflict there or whatever. Some people have interpreted joy in this particular context to mean having an exuberance about life. I like that. Having an exuberance about life will be displayed in different ways by different personalities, no question. But that's what it is. So let me just begin with this. Somehow, somewhere, some way, I don't know how. I'm 50-something, and, and for all my life, and I've been in a church since I was literally two weeks old, okay? And, and haven't missed too many, except when I got a little older and decided to tell the church they could... Never mind. Anyway... We, some of us have been through those times, right? And uh, sometimes it's deserved and sometimes not. But, but, but since, for the most part, church and Christianity, quote-unquote Christianity, not Christ and not all, not all believers, but Christianity as a religion, uh, a church in general, somehow we've lost this message of joy. 
Now, you know, I don't know where it happened. I've, I've, read, I've read a lot of church history, whether it was in the Middle Ages when things were, you know, the Dark Ages, and, uh, whether, but, but sometimes, then, even then, even when you talk about some of the Reformation times, Luther's big deal, part of his, there were several things that Luther's big deal, one of the Reformers' big deal was, but one of them was that he wanted to see some joy in terms of the music, because it was just all, a, just sort of a dirge at that point, you know? So, somehow we lost that. It's kind of interesting. I picked this out of a sermon that was... Um, uh, delivered by the great British preacher Charles Spurgeon. Um, he did he, this particular sermon, according to my documentation, was delivered at the Music Hall, Royal Surrey Gardens in London, on uh, July 24th, 1859. And I'm going to read to you directly from that message. I've used some of this before. Some of it might be familiar to some of you, maybe not. But uh, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. So I'm just going to read Spurgeon's words here. You can follow along because he's concerned about the same thing. Look what he says. I wish I had said this. This is great. How often do the people of God comfort sinners in their sins by their murmurings and their complaints? Oh, beloved, we are too much in the habit of covering our faces with sadness on account of our temporal trials. Oh, says the worldling. Interesting wording here. Oh, says the worldling. See these Christians. They talk about faith, but their faith is not of half so much service to them as my desperation is to me that hardens my heart and makes me stand up against affliction a great deal better than their faith in God's providence can do. Why? (laughs) Interesting wording again. Why, just look at these saints, a driveling set of crying creatures. They, they, they never have either peace or joy. They are everlastingly pulling long faces, talking through their noses about their sad trials and troubles. They never have an hour of happiness. Who would be a Christian? I don't want to be converted, says the worldling. I like that. It's kind of funny. I don't know. Maybe you didn't see the humor in that. But I, I, uh, I can just picture myself sitting there in London in the 1800s listening to that Spurgeon speaking to thousands without amplification. I don't know how I did it. No rock band either. How in the heck do you do that, man? Um, but I could just, just picture myself sitting there listening to him and going, yeah, you tell him. This isn't an uncommon problem to separate joy from being a follower of Christ. It's not an uncommon problem. Yet Jesus wasn't like that. Let me assure you. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was one of the most charismatic, if not the most charismatic Ever, as a human. He was also God, but as a human. And, and he had people following him all over the place. It wasn't because he was walking around with his long face, you know, preaching doom and gloom all the time. He talked about life. Talked about living. Talked about love and grace and forgiveness. And, and, and he was, a lot, many different instances in the gospel accounts where, where Jesus is just, I mean, this guy, is, he, just, he was a great, great hang. He was just a great guy to hang with. That's why, that's why he would start with 10 or 12 people, his disciples, and he'd end up talking to four or 5,000. Amazing stuff, isn't it? So it wasn't what Jesus had in mind. We know that. Very clear about that. So here's what I want to do. Three very quick things. Three very quick questions. And when we talk about this whole thing of joy or this, this exuberance of life, what is it? What sucks it out of us? And what do I do to get it? Okay? Very simple. Real simple. Won't take long at all. First thing, what is it? Let me give you a definition from a commentary. Joy. Greek word is kara. Um, it's a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those who abide in Christ. It does not, watch this, it does not depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. It rests in God. 
That's what joy is. It's not dependent upon circumstances around. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awareness that I, that I have a God in heaven and he has my eternal as well as my present good in mind all the time. All the time. There's joy in that. I can kind of rest on that. Even when things don't quite look so good. And that doesn't mean that we approach some of those life hardening situations that are just very difficult. Doesn't mean that we become glib and, oh, just be joyful. It doesn't mean we don't suffer pain. We do. Doesn't mean we don't have tears. We do. But still at the base of that, there can be a degree of joy, of understanding. You know what? Somehow, someway, I believe in, with faith, and it's a faith thing, that God's going to really turn some of this stuff around. And you know what's amazing to me is I've lived long enough to see that happen so many times. Some of our biggest heartaches become some of our greatest triumphs. It's amazing how that works. And it's God working behind it. We have to, we have to, the Bible teaches that, and we have to believe that. Now, sometimes we don't always see it for a year or two or three or 10 or 20, you know, sometimes longer than that. But when we understand there's a God in heaven and he loves us dearly, more than we can possibly imagine or fathom, um, and it's true. That's what joy is. Now, what is it that sucks it out of us? Let's talk about that just for a moment. Because there's a lot of things, a lot of joy suckers of life, as I like to call them. There are a lot of them. Um, I'm going to categorize them into three things, very simple. One would be people, okay? Two would be people. Three would be people. No. Um, <laughs> it's true sometimes, isn't it? One would be people. And we have people in our lives sometimes that we love, some that we are thrown with because we have to be, because of work or neighborhood or, 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 or blood or whatever, that sometimes just suck the life out of us. And you know, sometimes that's where we have to come again to God and just ask God, number one, for strength to deal with it. And one of the great things that I've learned to do is just pray for them. You know, just, it's really kind of hard to really hate somebody if you're praying for them. I mean, you still can, but for the most part, you're going to really have a lot, a lot more going on there. Just pray for him. And sometimes you don't know what to pray for. Sometimes I've said, you know, God, I don't know why that guy's such a jerk, but just bless him. Just bless him. I mean, just bless him. I don't even know how you, how you need to bless him, God, but you do. So one of the things we have to reckon now, sometimes we are in situations where we can eliminate that, that particular situation. Not always and not often, but sometimes we can. And when we do, then we should. The Bible says, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. doesn't mean we should have, you know, some kind of a thing that we avoid them or whatever, although there are people that we just don't necessarily eager to be around all the time. That's natural. But that's one of the things that we can start with. Just pray for them. So people, that's one thing. You know, the other thing is just, just keep turning them over to God. Right? Now, the other, number two thing, which these are all kind of go together, really, circumstances. Sometimes circumstances just really, you know, we're just going through a tough time. And maybe it has to do with we got a lot of kids, you know, and they're just so demanding. Maybe it's because of a particular time in life, uh, career, house, home, uh, marriage, different situations going on there, kind of crossover back and forth between circumstances and people. Those things also can, can just suck us dry sometimes too. And, and you know what? The best thing we can do in those things, we need to stop and we need to recognize it. 
Just stop and recognize what it is. Identify it. It, it, it helpfully, hopefully, it will be helpful to get somebody to help you identify it. Hopefully a close friend, a husband or a wife or a close friend or whatever. But we need to be able to try to do that. We may not be able to do anything about that. But we can at least recognize those circumstances and, and try to do the best we can. You know, and the third thing, and all these three just go together so, so closely that they kind of overlap, is, is, you know, one of the other things that just kind of suck the joy out of us sometimes is just, just me. You ever experienced that? Just me. I get in that, that thing I call that funk, you know, or a fog or whatever you want to call it, haze. And, and you just kind of, you know, for, 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 you, you don't even know particularly why. You're there. It's a human condition. Don't run from that and say, oh, you know, I'm not having faith. That's part of the human condition. Deal with it. Do what you need to do to deal with it. That may be hang on. That may be talk to your friend. That may be talk to a therapist. That may be maybe there's something going on physically you don't even know. That's where sometimes chemical imbalances can come in. For some reason, in some circles of the Christian community, they've rejected that. Well, that's crazy. Sometimes that's exactly what you need. Sometimes it's a physical thing. So, so don't be afraid of that, right? I'm not one who can prescribe that kind of thing, but I can certainly recommend some people who can. But, I mean, those are all real-life issues that we have to deal with. People, um, circumstances, sometimes just who we are. And sometimes it's just a season of life. And that's where we just continue... To persevere, and we continue, you know, we look for different passages in the Bible to give us assurance. If you ever need some of those, I'll be happy to, to get them to you because there are a lot of passages that I go to frequently, and I just need to read something that will just sort of be encouraging to me. So that's what sucks it out of us. And part of my, part of, you know, I, I wish I had a remedy. I wish I had a, a boom, you know, a four-step formula. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you get rid of it. But there are no formulas for any of those things. But what I want you to do, my point in this, is just to get you to think about that. Not just accept it. Not just move on, but to think about that. Okay? Now let's get to the other part, the third thing. You know, because this has a little bit to do with the other. What do I do to get it? What do I do to get it? What it, what it is... What it is that, that, that just sucks it out of us. What do I do to get it? And I'm going to give you two things here. And again, these are just things to think through. And I'm going to use the first term is, is just a term that I use. And it, it, it means more than just this. Do some reflective thinking. Okay? Do some reflective thinking. Now that, that may mean praying. That may mean examining. That may be counseling. That may be looking inward. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that could mean. Uh, oftentimes, the lack of joy is caused by things that we have allowed into our lives. You might call it sin. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's just a failure to get over our own sin or mistakes. Um, sometimes they're destructive habits that have become such a part of our life that we don't even realize they are there. That's why we need to examine and ask God to help us examine our hearts and lives. Let me show you. This happened with David. Um, King David, uh, he had um, probably many know the story of King David and committing adultery with Bathsheba. I mean, there have been uh, about five or six movies made about it, and um, none of them very good, I might add, but um, that I've seen at least. Um, but King David had this big deal, this you know, big, big, big affair with Bathsheba and and uh, illicit, and her husband was one of his trusted allies and close friend 
um, Uriah the Hittite, he went through a whole period, we're told over a year, of, of, of not dealing with that particular mess going on in his life. And look what he says. Look what he prays when he finally comes to grip with it. And, and, and I'll just show it to you. It's in Psalm 51. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me. This is a prayer to God. I will be whiter than snow. Watch this. Give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. He lost his joy. Because of all this gunk going on, he's not dealing with it. Not just because he sinned, but because he wasn't dealing with it. Because we all sin in different ways. Says, don't, let, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove, remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, watch this, restore to me again the joy, the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. That's a great prayer. In that particular case, when I talk about how do you get it, one way is to do some, some reflective, some, some really insightful self-examination, looking inwardly. God, help me to do that. Because there may be some stuff in my life that has become such a habit that I don't even look at it anymore. That can happen. That can happen to people. That can happen to people who are people of faith. It can. So do some serious thinking. It's easy not to do that in our world, isn't it? We can just keep so busy, boom, 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 that we don't have to stop and think. And sometimes when we do, it's scary. So that's the first thing. Second thing, and this is just, just think about this. We talk a lot about the journey, journey of life, journey of faith. Second thing I want you to think about is this. How do I get this? Keep in mind this. The journey is the destination. Just think about that for a minute. You know, because so many times we're just working so hard to get to a certain point. And then we look back and those were the, 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 that was the day, man. That was the day. And, 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 and boom, we lost it. it boom, we, we didn't stop. We didn't live in the moment. And one of the things that, that Jesus teaches over and over again in the Gospels, the Bible teaches it consistently is the journey is the destination. Don't miss that. Don't keep working. Well, just wait till, wait till, you know, I get my kids raised and, and you know, this will happen. And I'll wait till I get through this at this particular season of my career and this will happen. Or I get, you know, you go back far enough, wait till I get out of college and this will happen. Wait till I get through grad. You know, live where you are. The journey, the journey is the destination. And when you understand God's working in our lives and you understand what God is doing and continues to do and has the ability to do in our hearts and in our lives, and as we talk about the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, I mean, that's an important issue. Don't keep looking for the next thing you know, or looking back at the, at the past thing, but where you are right now. And that's the, one of the, I say it a lot, but one of the great messages of Jesus is life and it's life now. That's an important message. And it's one that doesn't get taught enough, not just in churches, but anywhere. I want to show you one last thing. I want to show you the last proverb, because this is, this is heavy-duty stuff we're talking about. It's very heavy-duty. And we're, we're talking about things that affect how we live. How I live when I walk out of here today, when I face in the morning or the next morning or the next morning. And for so many times, people, and it's one of my, one of the things that sort of has kept me doing what I do for the number of years that I have. So many times people just aren't 
living up to the capacity that God wants them to live up to. I'm not talking about old people. I'm talking about people that start out as teenagers and grow to be 50-somethings. And trust me, it doesn't take long. And some of you know what I mean. Um, Look what Proverbs, look look what Solomon says. A joyful, cheerful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Gosh, that's good words right there. Good medicine, a joyful heart, a cheerful heart. And if you don't have that, a broken spirit, it just sucks you dry. Some of us have experienced that for a season, some for several seasons. God never intended us to live that way. That's why Jesus came, to give us an ability to be connected to our Creator God and to give us internally can I say it? The gutspah. Just the intestinal fortitude that we need to really understand and live in the present. To have some joy. To have some joy in us. God cares about that. If you don't get anything else out of this, take that out of here. God cares about the fact that He wants you to have some joy in your life. You can translate it into fun and, and enjoyment and delight. You can translate it into a lot of different things. But God does. Because that's how He made us. And he tells us that over and over and over again in the Bible. Let's pray together. Thank Jesus for the ability to have that. God, God, we are grateful. We are very grateful that we can think and talk and just really reflect on these important issues. And I pray for each person here as we stop and we reflect in our own lives and we reflect on the fact that Jesus came really to save us from ourselves and our sin and our guilt and all those things. But He also came to give us life, to give us love and joy. I pray we'd be aware of that. I pray we wouldn't be guilty about that. And that we'd think through that and allow the Spirit of God to just build that into our heart, into our mind, and into our life. We do thank You for that. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.